1: Hey guys, ZDuck MD. I got Vinay Prasad back. Dude, today we're gonna talk about, I taught a class of yours yes, with you, you. That was fun at UCSF. We're gonna talk about this lab leak hypothesis and its ramifications yes. for science in general. We are gonna talk about the dude who had to resign from JAMA for being white and male uh, and other things. Um, (laughs) We're gonna talk about kids and vaccination for COVID, because you've written quite extensively about that. We're gonna talk about Fauci's emails, because I think that's interesting and I haven't looked at that, and more, right? And more, and more, and more. Yeah, so let's just dive into it, brother. Uh, we got to start with your class, dude. My class. It was
0: your class. Well, I thank you so much for coming and uh, and 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 doing a guest spot. Um, but this is a class that um, you know I, I'm teaching on uh, publishing and presenting research, and um, the. F- we we do all sorts of different things. So we start with abstracts. We go through intro methods, all the sort of stock and trade things about writing an academic publication. Um, but the last couple episodes uh, episodes uh, classes um, were... <laughs> I, I love
1: it episodes. I do too many podcasts. I do too you many, podcasts. Like, do like too me, many podcasts. By the way, we should mention this. <laughs> yeah, we're both wearing suits today. <laughs> yes. Why? Because you have clinic. <laughs> well, yeah, one, yeah. One of us has
0: clinic <laughs> exactly. And I
1: was like, well, I could wear a t shirt or I could step up my game to keep up with VP. So the class. Okay, so the class, yeah, uh, yeah, we're the we're
0: the gray suit club today. I, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Two for one special, um, <laughs> JC Penney's. <laughs> uh, yeah, the class was good. I mean, the last session of the class is on social media, um, which you know, increasingly, you got to teach people mm-hmm. who are going to be scientists how to maneuver in the rough waters of social media. And I thought there's no better person to bring on than you. I really appreciate you doing it. Oh. Um, I think we had a good time. I think the the class had a good time. They had a lot of questions for you. Um,
1: yeah it, it was it was a real kind of awesome experience, dude, because first of all, you have command of that material, right? because the class was on epidemiology and it was on like how do you write an abstract? How yes. do you get your research noticed? How do you communicate with the public? How do you make an abstract that's clear that actually catches people's attention without misrepresenting the science? I mean, these are things that they don't typically teach you, yes. And so I was fascinated as a learner in that aspect. And then to be able to say, okay, well guys, so here's how you kind of think about communication. And that, that's a nuanced discussion because so many scientists are just the worst communicators. So who, who steps in? Really good communicators who are terrible scientists. You and know, we've, like we've seen a lot of them in COVID, haven't yes, we? Yes, right, yes. right. So you have like the Sherry Tenpenny anti-vax crowd. You have people like Peter Corey, the ivermectin guy, who's a really good. Have, have you seen this guy? No, talking, but but he's, he he knows how to present bad information, is what you're telling me. He he takes information that you and I would look at and go, these are really poor quality studies that, and there's a lot of confusion of correlation and causation, and a lot of, and he emotionalizes it, and he dramatizes it, and he wraps it in a conspiracy to prevent ivermectin from happening, and then he goes on, like, Weinstein's podcast, Dark Horse, and they get in a pocket about it, ivermectin and then... Ivermectin, Pretty soon, everyone's like, "Why aren't we just giving ivermectin instead of these incredibly effective vaccines?" You know, and and then uh, so you're talking
0: about one fringe side, uh, and on the other fringe side, you got a lot of people who are like, "You know, I once used the restroom at Harvard, and here's why schools should never reopen." And
1: I'm like, what? <laughs>
0: you know, I'm like, "Well, first of all, what kind of credential is this?" You know, um, but but it's very difficult for the public to discriminate between people who may actually know what they're talking about, people who have the veneer of looking like they know what they talk mm-hmm. about, um, and then the content being science e versus actual science
1: and i think it's quite difficult um, I like that. science E. That's yeah, science-y. really Yeah, because you can throw in scientific words. Yeah. You can actually, I, I, what I noticed, because I, I, I listened to some of this interview between Peter Corey and Weinstein on his Dark Horse podcast the other day, because someone had sent it to me, <laughs> saying, hey, please respond to this. And I'm like, well, if I responded to everything that was out there, I, I would, that's all I'd do all day. And yeah. honestly, I don't care. Like, ivermectin, study it. Great, wonderful. I, I just, just do a single large
0: randomized control trial. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm sick of all these, uh, people keep showing me little fragments of yep. garbage data. Yep. I was like, when you
1: have a therapeutic drug, you just do a large randomized control Trial. If it's positive, no one will doubt you, and if it's negative, go go home. So yeah. this is what Corey was saying. Yeah. I've been fighting with these EBM people, these evidence based medicine people, about the quality of these trials, and you know they're this and that. And I'm like, so you're saying you don't believe you, you, evidence based medicine? is Not a thing for you? Like you, just, the observational trials are fine for you because that's what I'm hearing. Well, no, there's all these randomized trials. Yeah, but they're all in multiple countries with different failures of design. I haven't looked through the literature, but my my assumption is that they're all incredibly small,
0: underpowered, a poor ascertainment of endpoints. A lot of, problems with it. Then they meta-analyze it, yes. which is, you know, that's as I right. call it G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> or, you know, I say meta-analysis is like a juicer. It only tastes as good as what you put in. You put a rotten cantaloupe in that juicer, it tastes like shit. And that's what you're getting with dude, a lot of dude, meta-analysis. Dude,
1: you gotta go on Weinstein's podcast because yeah. what, what Corey was saying is, I mean, and then we do a meta-analysis, which is the gold standard. I mean, yeah, it's no, better no. than a randomized control trial. Depends on what you put in. Right, Yeah, it, garbage in, garbage out. G-I-G-O, and, uh, and, and some people put observational
0: studies in a meta-analysis, which I think is problematic. And I guess you don't need to look far to see the lessons in, the la- in just the last few months of we thought some things did something and they didn't. Yeah. Hydroxychloroquine. Doesn't you know? work. Yeah. Right. A- and the list goes on and on um, uh, of, of all these interventions that were pursued with best intentions. And so the answer is simple, simple, large, single, large randomized control right. trial. Uh, and if they do that, I'll believe it. And if well, they don't, I won't.
1: So here's what happens, I think, with a lot of these guys. Like they're so emotionally invested in this thing, um, which I, it's good intent. It's not like they're bad <laughs> people. They're just bad scientists but good communicators and what ends up happening is a randomized control trial does come out and there's one in the US I think and it was you know showed no benefit and then they they start moving the goalposts. They're like, well, they didn't give it early enough. They didn't, they didn't get, give they, it at a high enough dose. No, no vitamin D, no zinc. That's right, Wait, there was no zinc. If, if you didn't add the zinc in, come on. You How don't. dare they give the hydroxychloroquine <laughs> without the azithro 20 days before symptoms start. I mean, come on, it's just goalposts keep moving and moving and then they wrap it in conspiracy. They don't want you to know about this. Well then why does dexamethasone is celebrated as a great triumph? It's cheap, it's easy, it's off patent, why?
0: And it was done in a single, clear, randomized you know, three thousand person
1: recovery Recover, randomized controlled trial, pre
0: specified endpoints. But you know the the point I want to make from the point you're making, which is that um, I think it's it's easy to point out that these people who hold I think fringe views often are relying on low levels of evidence. But we should not forget there are actually a lot of people who hold mainstream medical views who also cite evidence remove the goalposts. You know, when we've had a number of randomized control trials showing that stenting chronic stable angina didn't do what you thought. It didn't lower MI, didn't lower, didn't improve quality of life. And in an orbita, it didn't even improve exercise tolerance on modified Bruce protocol. There are always people who come up with reasons why that randomized control trial is negative. What they don't often come up with are different randomized control trials that are positive. And so this is sort of a human thing, which is if you do something, if you believe, and if you're a quote true believer, um, you tend to rationalize away failures and you tend to uh, uh, be, unfailing in your belief. And uh, this one statistician puts it well, Darren Dolly. He says, I like people who believe, who focus on problems, who aren't, don't focus on solutions. So if you want to study the problem of COVID, have at it, but if you want to study how ivermectin can be used, you're too invested. You're not a real scientist, so you want to study problems, not solutions.
1: Ah, yeah, that, that's that's spot on. It's absolutely true of mainstream. So I had Rita Redberg, the yes. editor of JAMA uh, Internal Medicine, on and the show, and she's she, your colleague at UCSF, and she has written extensively about this idea of uh, you know stenting being <clears laughs> not having the outcomes we think they have. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, there was a saying I don't know if it was Upton Sinclair who said it's very difficult to. Um, have a man believe something when his income and livelihood depends on him not believing it. And I think there are a lot of cardiologists out there who, I mean, this is their bread and butter, right? And it can be absolutely devastating to say, well, oh, this thing that we did that we thought we really believed was helping people. It's not, you know, and we got paid to do it. And I was able to pay off my student loans. And I was able to get this cool Mercedes S class. Like you're saying that that's not, it doesn't help people. It may actually just cause harm because if it doesn't help,
0: and speaking of meta-analysis, they got a new one out at their little cardiology meeting where they, they blew the dust off some old trials <laughs> and then they, they put those in the meta-analysis and say, oh, look, revascularization works." Um, but, you know, I think- um this is gonna maybe hurt some people's feelings, but specialties where a large percentage of the revenue is driven by some class of things, mm. be it urology and prostate specific antigen screening, be it radiology and mammography, be it- uh, Oncology
1: uh, and chemotherapy.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. to some degree, but uh, that, 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 that's one of the reasons why um, people are, uh, oncology and chemotherapy I think is an interesting example. Um, because uh, oncologists receive a percentage markup of, of, of IV-infused drugs, and that percentage has varied between 4 and 6%. Um, but what it means is it is a perverse bias that if you have uh, a choice that's cheap, IV-infused, or an expensive alternative, mm. um, you tend to give the expensive alternative. If you can add an Avastin, mm. toss an Avastin on the mm. end, you're gonna add it. Um, that, that bias, I think, is more susceptible to systems where the oncologist derives some revenue from the business model, which is less of the case at you know university practices, right. but it still exists. Um, uh, but at least we have so many different drugs that if you, you knocked out any few, we'll right. still have another 150 to give. Um, but when it comes to like proceduralists, you're talking maybe 40% of their procedures are one type of things, the mm. thing discovered by mm. screening. Um, that puts them in a very vulnerable position to really impartially adjudicate those things.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's 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 exactly correct because again, it, it ha, you have to override every core belief in order to overturn this piece of, of understanding. Yeah. And questioning beliefs for humans is hard enough, especially when they're core beliefs. Um, I, I think the only belief that we, really is not up to question is that we should question our belief. (laughs) We should hold them up to you know what I tell
0: you know I I try to teach people like um my feeling as an oncologist you know and this is my I think my I'm entering my seventh year on uh, as faculty Mm. um is that I've never become too attached to any drug I give. I try to train fellows like don't be too attached to a drug or therapy like Mm. you need to be attached to your patients Mm. you need to be attached to learning about the disease, but don't be so wedded to brintoximabvidotin. Don't be so wedded to, you know, yeah. I, I, I'll rattle off a, uh, Man, that's a good name. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it packs a punch. I mean, you know, half of oncology is just memorizing all these names. Um, but don't be so wedded to a specific drug or drug product because don't be surprised if in the future that drug product is found to be lackluster. It doesn't have the benefits you thought it did. And so be committed to your patients, be committed to the process, the, the evidence-based medicine process, and i just want to say one thing about you know you point out this person says oh these evidence based medicine purists are uh, you know against me evidence based medicine you can keep tossing that term out there but all it literally means is these are people who st- who are specializing in knowing whether shit actually works, okay? So the people who focus on knowing whether shit actually works question the low-quality evidence I am producing. That's all they're saying. Yeah. So yeah. like if you care about whether it actually works, yeah. these are the people you want to rely on, and that's uh, all I uh, hear.
1: Yeah. And this – okay, so this, this actually wraps it right back into the class that you taught, which is, okay. again, how do you present evidence that – that stuff actually works, and then how do you really critically yeah. do, and how do you communicate it? Now, that, that this is a perfect segue. We're gonna do a whole nother show on medical appropriateness because this is a passion yeah, of yeah, yours. You've it. written books on it. I think it's crucial, and it's a passion of mine too. But today, let's talk about belief because again, we're talking about this clinging to these beliefs and then cherry picking data, confirmation bias, conspiracy thinking, all the other stuff, happens on the fringe and it happens in the mainstream. Let's talk about a mainstream F up of, of what I think is huge proportions, and, and I was victim of it too. So I can take full culpability for this. And that is the lab leak hypothesis, which was float. Okay, the, somehow this thing got out of a lab. Either it was engineered specifically as a weapon, or that was the early, like, you know, um, scuttlebutt, or it's an accidental leak from a, and then we know how labs work. You and I both work in labs. It, 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 it's just, it's easy to, to screw up. Yes. Easy, easy. I had fruit flies all over the place I taught MCAT. If because, you if you were judged for lab leak of fruit flies, they'd be everywhere. You then, gotta, oh, <laughs> you oh, gotta oh. hang the little
0: paper tape to try to catch them. Yeah. You totally, know, they, they totally, yeah.
1: totally. And I'll tell you, that's, yeah. bumblers work in the lab. So we're not, you know, nerds are not the most coordinated people. And so <laughs> I remember I my first time I ran a centrifuge, <laughs> I had this like integrin mediated cell adhesion project I was doing and I go, <laughs> And it goes, I didn't balance it right. The thing nearly exploded. Like the tube shot out the top or something terrible happened. I almost killed it. enriching
0: uranium. Exactly. (laughs)
1: Or handling (laughs) a a gain of function mutation (laughs) coronavirus potentially. So talk about this. You just wrote a piece on this in MedPage that I thought was very powerful. Yeah, Yeah. thanks. And you did a great
0: job of segueing. But I just want to say one last thing (laughs) on the topic. The reason I brought you on and the reason you did a great job with this class was you took people who their primary commitment is science and you reminded them. That you also need to be really good at communicating that science to mm. a broad audience, mm. and that will help everybody—not just you. It'll help society. So I think I thank you for doing that. Uh, so on this lab leak, uh, the lab leak, I think, um, d- and you mentioned that you felt like you succumbed to it a little bit, and I, I might have succumbed to it a little bit because um, you know I host my little podcast and I had on a number of guests. Um, And I had Francois Boulot, who's a a geneticist at University College London, and I asked him specifically about lab leak, and he said that, you know, looking at the sequence, you can see... Um, uh, you can see parallels between this sequence and naturally occurring coronaviruses. Nothing is quite perfect. We don't have the immediate host. Um, and then, so I says, "So do you think lab leak is likely or not likely? And he says, you know, whether or not you can actually find the virus in the, in, the, in, the, in the world or not, that doesn't actually in and of itself prove lab leak or not. It could still have been captured in the lab and being studied and then leaked into the, the people Correct. W- working there. Correct. And so I guess there's a few hypotheses. One hypothesis is that this is a virus uh, that had zoonotic transmission from some animal to a person at a wet market somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, the second hypothesis is this is a natural virus that is being studied, and it somehow, you know, as accidents do happen in laboratories, they've been known to happen, um, was transmitted to the staff. The staff went home, they were sick. Potentially, there's some in- intelligence reports that there were some people who worked in that facility who were sick with something similar to, to SARS CoV 2, even in November. Yeah. Um, the third hypothesis is this was a um, genetically modified coronavirus that was being modified so we could better learn, uh, they call gain of function, but better learn ways to combat coronavirus. Viruses. There's a certain nucleic acid sequence to to to, to code the furin cleavage site that uh, some people, like David Baltimore, some molecular biologists, think is uh, possibly um, uh, suspicious, mm. and others think it's actually something that could have occurred through natural evolution. So, mm. okay, this is mm. these are the debates. Mm. Um, the the thing that got me was early on in in this, um, and I'm not an expert in molecular biology. Um, Somebody recommended a, uh, a scientist who's at the Broad and she had been doing some good work there to, and to have asked me to have her on my podcast to discuss the possibility of lab leak. Mm. And I must say that maybe I was in maybe I, uh, you know, I'm also, it's not always my, a lot of things fall through my cracks because I mm. got a lot of stuff going on. Um, but maybe to some degree, I was also influenced by the, the popular narrative that this was a fringe or conspiracy theory, not to even be entertained, you know? Mm. Don't even take that seriously. Mm. And I think- What happened as a result uh, of some powerful voices um, doing two things. One, they tied the lab leak hypothesis to Donald J. Trump yeah. because Donald J. Trump said that that might be a case. He, In fact, he said something like he suspected it. And he yeah. also went beyond what I think people would, that it was somehow purposeful and right. done solely to spite him, that's you know, right. Right. That's right. just for me, you know? Um, but but <laughs> so I think that's why he drove a lot of people away <laughs> right. from that idea. I agree. And a lot of people don't like him for a myriad reasons and they wanted to see him lose in the election. Um, and I guess the question was always, did we somehow put our disdain for Donald Trump Did that cloud our ability to sort of have an honest appraisal of this Mm -hmm. hypothesis? Mm. And then what happened was, of course, you know, he lost the election. A few more months go by. And then we had a couple of really nice articles. Nicholas Wade, very seasoned reporter, writing in Medium, a beautiful article, very long. Mm-hmm. And Don McNeil, the uh, fired uh, New York Times reporter, uh, uh, also ousted under interesting circumstances. Um, uh, he wrote a, a lengthy article on his uh, blog, both saying that, you know, this is something that maybe we ought to entertain. And then, of course, Biden instructed the in, uh, the intelligence community um, to investigate, and, and the Senate said they want to know. And so suddenly uh, – and then Facebook finally lifted their ban. They had, had a ban on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They had banned, you couldn't even talk about this. Misinformation. It was misinformation even to suggest it might be possible. Yep. Uh, Now they've rescinded that ban so we can talk about it again. So what has happened? (laughs) Within the course of a year, we have moved from lab leak being a um, fringe and- uh, 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 Dangerous dangerous idea. Dangerous idea that is false and should not even be considered.
1: Correct, because it's xenophobic and racist. Oh, we can talk about that. Yeah, Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, that was the allegation. Uh, Right amongst other allegations, is xenophobic and racist and also factually incorrect. Factually, factually incorrect. incorrect. Demonstrably a incorrect. And of a there's doubt. a consensus yeah. among scientists mm-hmm. that it's totally incorrect. That's right. So you shouldn't even talk about it. And if you talk about it, you're gonna be uh, ba- vanquished from Facebook. Correct. Two, now we have ongoing investigations. People are talking about it. Some of these news outlets are retroactively changing the headlines from the past, you know? They're modifying past news stories. Really? Yeah, there's people who've been capturing this. So I wrote this article. My article is not to answer the Lably question. Because actually, I'll tell you why I'm not interested in answering it. I'm not interested for two reasons. One, um, people say like, oh, if you knew it was a lab leak, it would change how you combat future pandemics versus if you knew it was a wet market. And I was like, actually, the answer is simple. The wet market is a vulnerability and we need to clean that up. Yeah, The lab leak – Whether this was a lab leak or not, it is a huge vulnerability and that needs to be cleaned up. And we need to really ask ourselves if some of this research is actually necessary. Needs to be done, yeah. Yeah, Right, so I don't know the answer. I'm not a specialist in that type of research. But you know, uh, I think that my understanding and what I've read is that they're not exactly operating under the the cleanest uh, principles and they need some reform, whether or not this was due to lab leak in this particular instance. But yet it's an important question to answer. Um, And I think my real interest is how do we move, how did science get to a place where something that is an open hypothesis became effectively censored? Yeah. And I wanna say one thing about censoring, okay. Mm. I see all these people bitching on online about how if one person blocked them on Twitter or something like that, they were quote, censored. Right. That's not censoring, yeah. okay? You're still free to talk to whatever fools wanna to listen to you. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Censoring is the idea itself is banned on the entire platform. No one can talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's not about you. A crass person can be thrown out of a dinner party. That's not, you know, no one's being censored, but censoring would be a taboo on discussing certain topics. Correct. Okay, so let's get clear on the definition. This is a censoring event. I mean, it is taboo to talk on in the public square, which is Facebook for better or worse, this topic that in retrospect, so quickly flipped. It was, it's a big problem.
1: I, I, this, this thing, so, There's so much in this particular story that shines a light on the total fuckery during this pandemic of science and the scientific method and inquiry and debate and openness. So yeah, just asking the question, you were some kind of Donald J. Trump, xenophobic racist. And, and, and it didn't help that like, I think there were a lot of conspiracy minded people that kind of sprung up around this idea early yeah. on saying, well, see Fauci and NIH funded this Wuhan lab and the gain of function media, here's the evidence. So there's a conspiracy to cover up. Because the minute you start citing conspiracies, yeah. you've already lost the argument. Just focus on what the possibilities are, right? So that was one piece of it. Then Facebook makes it impossible to talk about, which then codifies it. So even the press won't talk about it. and. And then everyone just goes, well, the science says it wasn't a lab leak. How is that? Then you read later, the journal of uh, the, the Atomic Bolton scientist guys, really impressive sort of thought process of, well, it still could be this. Yes. And here's all the reasons why it could be. And here are the conflicts of interest. And here's what's going on. And here's a, okay, great, wonderful. So now it's still a possibility. Here, here's the crazy thing. <laughs> the original hypothesis of wet market, like, okay, the Chinese were caging these animals, bringing them from the wild, eating them, exposing themselves, and then destroying the world in the process. How is that less racist (laughs) than, oh, you know, a really high-end Chinese lab studying complicated stuff had an accident? Like. Your, what the your, fuck? your your point is well taken and it was made by Gren, Glenn Greenwald about
0: um a tweet by Apoorva, um the New York Times reporter where she said that the the idea of lab leak is itself a racist hypothesis i guess objectively looking at this question i think um uh Trying to figure out the origin of the virus is not a racist pursuit. It's an objective pursuit. Wherever right. that came from, um, and and I certainly don't understand why one would prima facie consider wet lab, wet market to be a um, a, a a a reasonable and non-racist hypothesis, but uh, lab leak to be a fundamentally racist hypothesis. I don't get that. I mean, I, that doesn't make sense to me um, for the reasons you articulated. Um, but I think it's it's telling. I mean. In my article, I point out this is not the only thing that in the last few months has underwent pendulum swings.
1: Mm, you know, that's right.
0: You know, um, uh, Julia Marcus and I in January we said if a vaccinated person, oh. you know, doesn't need to wear a mask mm. within four weeks, CDC had said you know you can go hug your grandma. They had said it earlier, and then now recently in in May they they went even further. You know, with their mask recommendations. Um, so this is an I- hypothesis, uh, not a hypothesis. This is a, I think a, a very reasonable statement of policy, which is once somebody's been vaccinated two doses, 14 days after dose two, asymptomatic. You can liberalize. See, there's no you're not you're no longer a vector of transmission. You can go hug your grandma, take the mask off. That was what we wrote, um, and we were really pushed hard. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, and then a few weeks later, everyone's you know eating crow. I mean, you, they were incorrect. They were wrong all along. Yep. And you know, if I were to articulate one thing that both these issues get at, which is that um, many people join a pylon, a, a majority, a, mm. a, a group idea, without they themselves having interrogated the data. Primarily, mm-hmm. they haven't gone out there and read the studies. They don't even know, they may not have even read the article of mine that they think is so wrong. That's right. Because people don't read. And uh, <laughs> it's true, it's true. And and what's the old saying? Social media is the place where uh, people who don't read books argue with those who write them. And you know, I
1: mean, there's some <laughs> truth in
0: that. Some
1: truth to that. It's very true. Is actually, that's a great, that's, that's actually a great point. So here's an interesting thing. I recently was on a podcast. I I hardly do outside podcasts. I think I've done yours because I love you and your podcast is amazing. I did Michaela Peterson's podcast. So Michaela is the daughter of Jordan Jordan Peterson. And she's been sort of doing this podcast where she gets these really diverse ideas on. And she's got, you know, this is the thing with her. She's, this is how I found her, right? I mean, meaning when when we met virtually. She's open, she's willing to be questioned, she wants to have diverse opinions on the show. She has strong beliefs, but she's willing to actually examine them. And her sort of whole life status comes from growing up with chronic juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, having like ankle replacement, hip, like terrible stuff happened to her, right? Then terrible stuff happened to her dad. And all of this has kind of like radicalized her around this idea that, hey, maybe doctors aren't the best people for treating disease, (laughs) you know? And maybe there's other things. So, okay, I get it. And I often say that myself, right? Our medical culture is fucked up, but you don't wanna throw out the baby with the bathwater. So she was kind enough to reach out and say, hey, let's talk about all the things. So we did. We had a really nuanced conversation that was great. And she was inquisitive. We went back and forth. We talked about all the things. She puts it out and it's clear that a lot of the people who follow her are kind of radicalized in one way or another. All they see is that the bald guy who was taking a shit on Gert Vandenbusha oh yes, That's yeah, you. is That's like you. on her show. Yeah. So now it's like, oh, no, this bald shill can suck it, you know. And, and so all the comments are about how much I suck. No one even watched the video, so you, yeah. you they don't even watch video I anymore. Know, it's I just know. pure tribalism.
0: I, I find it. I don't even know what to say about it because um, (laughs) I can tell sometimes that people haven't read things or watch things or know things, and I find it (laughs) troublesome. It's troublesome. Tough tough to argue. (laughs) Tough to argue with somebody who you know has their own. Doesn't want to read or you know. um, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm from a certain school of academic thought, which is if you disagree with something, you got to read it. Then yeah. you gotta actually be able to put it in your own words, and then what you want to do is you want to say it back to the person better than they ever said mm. it. That's how you really show them. You say, you know, you have written this article, and here's what you said, and you know, let me let me do you a favor. You took three thousand words to say it. I'll say it in four four hundred fifty words. <laughs> Boom. You summarize it better than they said it, and then you say there's three things wrong with, it and these are the three things. Take it apart. Um, but you don't see that online. You never
1: see it. You, you, never you see talked it. about it in your class yesterday. I did. Yeah. You're like, here's how you learn to communicate. Take an article that you don't know anything uh, about. Yeah. Read the whole article and hey. be. A- You got to pay money for that. No, No. you got to pay money. Take this class. That's behind a paywall. That's behind a paywall. (laughs) That's a piece of like Vinay's twelve, you know, (laughs) twelve rules for life. You know, rule one: take other people's papers and summarize them better than they can. And that way, then when you take it apart, at least you know their position, and they know you know their position. Yes, and if you and if you don't, if
0: you don't faithfully recapitulate yeah. what someone else has said, you're not engaging in That's any right. fruitful debate. Um, right. And actually the, 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 thing, the way I like to say it is it, it, it should be a dinner party. Like you should be able to read a paper and, and if we were having dinner and you asked me, hey, what did that um, paper show um, uh, uh, on, on optimism and longevity last week? You know, I should be able to rattle off yeah. in 30 seconds, yeah. 45 seconds, what they showed and why they were doing it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think that's the gold standard for like you really understand it so well that you can package it and put it out at a dinner party where the other person might be, you might be an attorney, you know, you don't yeah. have any medical background. Um, I think that's, that's a good practice. Yeah. Um, but anyway, with one last thing I want to say about this lab leak. There's democracy and there's liberty. I think people forget the two things. So what is liberty? Liberty is the freedom to live your life as you see fit. The freedom to uh, have broad ideas. Uh, that's what liberalism means. Classical liberalism. Um, the freedom to engage in different ideas. To um, you, you, you love who you want to love. You live as you want to live, and as long as it doesn't affect me, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so have at it. And democracy is the will of the majority. And we live in a world where uh, democracy and liberalism have been largely conjoined. Uh, This is a democratic country, and we've enjoyed a lot of freedoms. But there's nothing inherent about democracy that guarantees liberty. liberty. There are many democracies uh, that the majority um, can become tyrannical and suppress, uh, yeah. suppress the view of the minority. There, and to some degree, yeah, India does fit in many yeah. in many respects, especially with uh, Hindu nationalism. Yeah. Um, I said that as a Hindu, um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 and 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 you don't have to have democracy to have liberalism. There can there are many autocracies that have been quite free and quite liberal, and sometimes autocracies are replaced by democracies which extinguish liberalism um, mm. in certain parts of the world. Mm. Uh, I guess what I want to talk about is there's a scientific democracy and a scientific liberalism. Mm. And we increasingly focus on scientific consensus. What's the consensus? Most scientists believe, you know, you saw these uh, surveys in the New York Times. Most scientists believe, epidemiologists believe, that, you know, after you, after you get your mail, you have to leave it on the
1: doorstep for five, <laughs> five days before you can open it. No, I don't know. What right. Right. That, right, whatever that what it, what it is. is. <laughs> Four out of five dentists concur. Right,
0: right. yeah. Th- that's, that's a consensus view. One of the things to acknowledge in the consensus view is that perhaps even most of the people in the consensus view have not interrogated the information themselves. Yeah. They're relying on their peers. Um, they're engaging in tribalism. Group uh, think. Groupthink. Groupthink. Yeah. All these sorts of phenomenon. And then there's scientific liberalism, which is the idea that, you know what, Francois Below may be open-minded about lab leak as a hypothesis. He's a very good scientist, so maybe we ought to give him the freedom to – examine this hypothesis, talk openly about it, not restrict anyone's speech um, until we know for certain. And even then, even when we know for certain, let the facts persuade rather than the brute force of the platform. And I think what we have forgotten is majoritarianism in science has reached a fever pitch. If the majority thinks something's right, they can have whatever they want. And the minority view is no longer allowed to flourish. We want to, to squash it out like a bug with our thumb. And so I think we've forgotten scientific liberalism. It's even more important, I hate to say, than even scientific consensus or democracy.
1: That, that's, that distinction is crucial. I think a lot of people don't understand that they conflate the two. And in this case, it's very important. And so that's why when you think about somebody like a Pierre Corey or, or, or a um, Gert Vandenbusch, it's kind of like, okay, at no time would we advocate that they be silenced ever. Not by Facebook, not by YouTube, no. Debate them. They are a minority opinion. In the case of, the case of von den Bush, it's almost a fringe idea that oh, these vaccines could actually harm us because of evolutionary theory and the fact that we're going to select mut- mutants and all. Okay, fine. Let's let's hear that. Then let's look at the data and let's think about it and let's see how we would test it. And okay, great. Now the problem is that sometimes you get a false equivalency. So some kook can come out and say, "But 5G nanobots, you know, from the aluminum in these vaccines. Look at the magnet sticking in my arm." Okay. That's crazy talk, but let's examine it. Okay, it's crazy talk. Right. So then you have to dismiss it. Sometimes though, the mob can happen on both sides. So you have a mainstream mob, close the schools, stay yes. home, wear a mask, all that. Now look, some of that stuff may work. We don't know yet because we haven't done the cluster cluster randomized trials. But but the the fr- the fringe in that case is saying schools don't actually spread the disease and you're damaging kids and the collateral damage is terrible. Now, when the pendulum swings, which it will on schools, it will undoubtedly, I think. This is again, belief-based, but also data-based. I think think it will, yeah. Um, We're gonna look back and go, oh, we probably should have entertained the fringe on that one before we did all this damage.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're drawing a very interesting distinction between, um, you know, because I think like lab leak is something that reasonable scientists could have been wholly agnostic about, whereas whatever this (laughs) Goat, whatever his name is, uh, you know, it sounds like what he's saying is absolutely uh, ridiculous and bonkers. Um, and, and I guess the, the the question I have is um, many well-intentioned people want to rid the world of clearly delusional thinking, such as this 5G, whatever, or right. microchips and vaccines, etc. cetera. Christiane
1: Northrup, yeah. yeah. She's a doctor who's pushing this nonsense. And
0: I think, you know, these well-intentioned people have tried many different strategies from, you know, uh, explanation why that's wrong. Um, uh, making fun of them on social media, mocking them, <laughs> yeah. uh, piling up on them, um, petitioning that they be banned or censored. I mean, these have all been tried. And I guess the truth is, I actually think just as an empirical question, I, I actually don't know what works. Yeah. And if, in fact, anything, some of these fringe views, they have risen in popularity despite all these efforts. Yeah. Um, even a lot of anti-vax views, which I strongly disagree with, they've risen in popularity. So at some <clears throat> point, those who seek to combat these views Need to actually ask themselves what will do that, and it may not be all the tactics that have been tried. It may be, but they need to find a way to sort of clarify the impact of these tactics.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think in many ways, it p- pushing the resistance to these things in a in a blunt way actually makes them worse. And you know, it's funny, the anti-vaxxers actually created a Change.org petition. Um, we are petitioning to have Dr. Zubin Damania's license removed for murdering babies or whatever it was, right? And they got like- How'd they know you did that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> no. well, you know, no, no. proof, no, no. proof. <laughs> I haven't been caught yet. How they know uh, they, they um, they got a few hundred signatures from, and all the comments were like, he's a shell and he's bald and you have know, the usual ad hominems. And then, I, so I just was like, hey, look guys, they wanna remove my license by petition, which I didn't know was a thing go and sign the petition so i had all my followers so suddenly it got like 10,000 signatures and, and all the all the comments were like yeah i love this guy man totally take his license away so he can say the real shit right now and so you know these things backfire these aren't the ways to have debate like
0: and then i make a point on the other side which will relate to the one of the things we want to talk about which is um, people who support vaccinations as of course I do in fact I tell people you know I've probably given more vaccines than you because I took care of a lot of people post autologous stem cell transplant right. where I we revaccinate them like a newborn
1: baby exactly. you know so we give them a lot of vaccine so anyway I'm, I'm quite because their immune systems wiped out and you have to refresh it from scratch right that's what they say that's yes, uh, that's, that's, that's 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 what we the tell principle, that's, that's yeah. principle behind yeah. It. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah I mean that they yeah that they, they need reeducation of their of the, of their tnb cells um okay so you know uh, and of course uh, I'm a practicing physician of course so I have a very uh, nuanced view of vaccines. Um, I, I talk about vaccines the way you talk about drugs, which is that you know, um, you know you need to think about the risk benefit profile, may vary with other things, um, and we're going to talk about EUA and 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 younger people. Um, so the people who are proponents of vaccines, of which I'll put myself in that camp, some of those people were quick to comment about our article published in the British Medical Journal that this is quote an anti-vax article uh, in an anti-vax journal. And I was like, "If what your BMJ?" Yeah, the, the British Medical <laughs> right, yeah. like, Journal. I was like, "The journal that probably only rejected your article." No, that's <laughs> right. No, I'm sorry. It was the
1: Lancet that was the anti-vax journal. They're the one who who posted Andrew and Wake- Wakefield's fraud. Yeah, that's, a, study. that's an interesting
0: yeah. story. I yeah. mean, people people go back to that, um, and uh, I think that if you go back to the original Wakefield paper, you will find that it was never scientific scientifically meritorious. It was mm-hmm. always a, a, a very terrible. Anecdotal case report, yeah. garbage, non-conclusive, no causality kind of paper. Yeah. I'm surprised they published in the first place. Yeah. Um. And I. And someday maybe some somebody will find some more information about that because yeah. I hear the peer review burnt up in a fire. Actually. The, oh, a, Brian
1: Deere wrote a whole book about yeah. it. Actually, yeah. yeah. yeah I haven't oh. read it yet. Oh, oh I read part. I've read a large part of it, but I haven't. Uh, I haven't done it. a show on it. Yeah. He did a great couple series
0: of articles for the BMJ unpacking the the problems with that paper. That's right, yeah. But but I guess. We wrote an, an article about emergency use authorization, whether or not this ought to be um, the regulatory pathway for 12 to 15 year olds mm-hmm. in the British Medical Journal. Um, and this is myself, Steph Burrell from Hopkins, and Wes Pegden as a mathematician at Carnegie Mellon, who's done some mo- modeling around SARS-CoV-2. Loser
1: institutions, all three of them. Losers, yeah, yeah. total losers, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and 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 many people. Um, you know, they, they, they said that, that we were anti-vax. And I guess what I, what I wish to suggest to them is, um, you know, they may disagree with our conclusion. I think we're right, of course, I, I know we are. Um, uh, <laughs> but, but, um, but if you are gonna try to throw us in the bucket with these people who are saying microchips and vaccines, you're, are you really, what are you doing? Yeah. You're playing a very dangerous game yeah, yeah, yeah. because what you're doing is you're equating any sophisticated scientific consideration of the pros and cons of yeah. vaccines with the most fringe delusional derogatory ideas out there. And you will make this group stronger. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't know what you're doing. And I think many well-intentioned people here uh, are coming in and they are actually making this fringe element stronger yeah.
1: through vehemence through drawing lines where they don't yeah. understand yeah.
0: and I think they frankly they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah,
1: I fucking agree 100%. It's guilt by association, uh logical fallacy. It, it, it's it's you know, you and I had the same stance on the kids vaccine, right? The 12 to 15 is basically like, "Hey, look at the risks, look at the benefits, look at the dangers of transmission in this group, look at the dangers of MISC and of actual illness. Yeah. Look at any un uh, um, manifest complications like we're thinking about, well, is this myocarditis carditis thing a real link with the vaccine? We don't quite know yet. And then what's the risk of them actually getting sick? And and, and I think what, what one interesting thing is, I think you have a lot of pediatricians and the like pushing back and saying, well but we see MISC and it's devastating and you know you don't understand these kids actually do get sick and then I'm like what about availability bias yes, that's what you see yeah. <laughs> you know it's like when I
0: worked in the pheochromocytoma clinic we always wondered why the <laughs> internists didn't screen why didn't they figure out this was pheo It's high blood pressure they never thought about pheochromocytoma <laughs> and I was like you know we're working at the referral center for pheo okay but I will add one caveat the zebra clinic some pediatricians say what you say Many pediatricians yeah, agree man, with what. Many, so many. Let me articulate. And they're quiet. Oh, some are quiet. They're terrified to say stuff. Some aren't. Some aren't. S- some aren't. But yeah. s- they fill my inbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Thank s- you for saying this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but let me articulate this problem here. Okay, so what is emergency use authorization? Is not drug approval. Um, when After we did the trials in 16 and up, there was a new regulatory strategy pursued for 12 to 15. That was you're going to run a small randomized control trial, just 1,100 people in each arm, right. very small randomized control trial, um, but you're going to do a few things with it. One, um, we will have already gathered safety data on near-age people, so 16, 17, 18. Right. Those are near-age. We're going to be having some surveillance data on those people, which will help Inform our regulatory decision. You're going to run a small randomized control trial powered primarily for immunologic endpoints, not for clinical endpoints because it's a small study. And we're going to leverage the combined experience of the safety of the vaccine in adults and even near-age kids, the the adolescents, uh, 16, 18 people who got it, Plus, small randomized control trial immunologic endpoints, and that will be your path to, uh, to approval or authorization. The, the regulatory language around authorization, not approval, is that it has to be an emergency. Now, different people can have different definitions of emergency, but as we articulate in the piece, there's lots of reasons why you would say SARS-CoV-2, older people, absolutely. Undeniably an emergency. Yeah. SARS-CoV2 in this age group, very hard to convince me that it's an emergency requiring unprecedented powers of regulatory of regulation and a lower regulatory hurdle. The other thing is, whenever you think about a vaccine being approved, there's the known benefits, the known harms, the unknown benefits, and the unknown harms. And you need to look at this calculus and say roughly, even if the unknown benefits or unknown harms are you know as high as they could be there's still gonna be a net benefit from vaccinating people. Mm-hmm. And I have a little video where I, walk, I have some slides I walk people through. When you talk about a 50 year old person, the, the, the consequences of SARS-CoV-2, even with low rates of spread, because the death rate is so high, are so catastrophic that this equation just tips. And so you're willing to take substantive uncertainty for mm. harms in to have a vaccine quickly. Mm. As you're debuting a vaccine from 16 to 50, the rate in the population is plummeting. Look at Israel, look at the United Kingdom, yeah. look at us. Yeah. So now the ba- the balance for 12 to 15 is shifting by the day. Every day a 12-year-old their chance of getting SARS-CoV-2 is reduced simply by vaccinating older people. Yep. Okay. The uncertainty around bounds around the harms are real. They're non-trivial. And we knew as of late April that there was uh the potential for myocarditis. There was a report out of Israel. There is the uh Reuters broken I think at the end of April uh Wes, Steph and I had been following and we felt for two reasons. One, If you switch from EUA to Biological Licensing uh, Agreement, BLA, um, you will get four more months of time. In those four months of time, that's the regulatory distinction. Mm. There could have also been other regulatory distinctions. The FDA chose not to do that. They could have asked for a different size trial, et cetera, et cetera. Be that as it may, this is the the regulatory distinction at the moment. In that four months, the, the, the vaccine adverse event reporting system will have four additional months to gather safety data and to calculate whether or not myocarditis is implicated to mRNA vaccines, how much of it is implicated, um, and whether or not that potential unknown harm is big enough to offset the benefit in this age group. Mm. So anyway, I think, I mean, there's two points here. One point is I wanna make the point, which is that like for any parent who's made this choice with their child individually, you know, we support your choices, of course, you know. right. Our argument is about the regulatory precedent for authorizing a vaccine in a vulnerable age group and what might happen thereafter, because we're going to go to five to 12 or four to 12 Mm. um, or even younger. Mm. And what we want to say is you've got to be damn sure when you get to this age group that the safety profile is really, really pristine because the, uh, the potential benefits to this age group is very, very low. And yeah. that's not just my view. That's the view of Cody Meissner, who's the, the, section, who's the, the, the chair of uh, PEDS ID at Tufts um, and on the FDA advisory committee. Um, that's the view of Willie Jalad, who's a pit, That's the view of a lot of people who actually study regulatory policy. Um, right. But what we were so quickly caricaturized online as is you all don't want a kid's vaccine ever. Well, we never said that. No, we're saying that we don't want you to use an unprecedented authorization pathway when you could collect more safety data. And two, we're, uh, we're empiricists. You show us a risk-benefit profile that's favorable, you got our total buy-in. I mean, yeah. I've, never, I've never withheld buy-in from things that are clearly favorable. But when you talk about uncertainty bounds that exceed potential benefit, well, I got a I I rock in my shoe.
1: Yes, and and, and he, he, here's another thing that that we were saying is well, there's, there's this societal yeah. argument about the you know sort of um, commutative yeah, you know, benefits right. of, of vaccines. So well, if we vaccinate this little cesspool population of kids, we'll <laughs> we'll help protect older people. Shut up, dude. Vaccinate the older people. Okay. Uh, come on. So you're gonna put kids in that in that bar of uncertainty to protect an old fucker who chose who, not who to, chose not to get vaccinated. Okay. Fuck off. I'll say that so so there's a few things. So one is the ethical principle you're
0: articulating, which is is it even ethically just to ask kids yet an additional sacrifice for these kids who've given up school <laughs> yeah. for a whole fucking year yeah. to save your adult anxieties? Is yeah. it even ethical? So that's your question. Yeah. I'll ask a few things. A second question. Is it even empirically true? Does it actually, will mm-hmm. this actually translate? Mm-hmm. There's speculation that it might, mm-hmm. but there's no empirical data that supports that to be the case. Mm. Oh, where, where are all you know, we're the people who say, you, has you proven it's safe for me to take off the mask? Where do those people go? <laughs> the next thing I'd say is, is this, is this within the legal statutory authority of emergency use authorization? As far as I checked, I don't believe the emergency use authorization pathway allows you to debut a product with uncertain risk benefit profile in some group to protect another group. Mm. I think it's to protect that group. I don't think that this, I yeah. think it's a misinterpretation of law and regulatory statutes. Yeah. So I think that's the other thing to say. And then the last thing I'd say is, I mean, the simple point is that it, 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 I don't think it's even true. I mean, I just don't think it's empirically true. What you see right now is the pe- the unvaccinated 60-year-old right now is already being massively protected by all the people who have chosen to be vaccinated. Mm. Look at the population case rates. Look at test positivity. We're three-tenths of 1% in this in this city of yeah. San Francisco. So, um, So they're already getting protection. Do they need an additional protection from a 12-year-old? I don't know. And does it warrant a 12-year-old taking out potential risk for myocarditis? I don't know. But that's certainly um, – uh, I, I certainly don't think it's for sure. I have strong doubts that it's even true. There's no mm-hmm. data that mm-hmm. is persuasive. I think you can do some back-of-the-envelope math and show it's unpersuasive. Um, and I think people who are doing it, they may not be following the statute of the law. I think um, – and I think they have to ask themselves, honest question, are you saying this just because you're scared, man? Yeah. Are you saying it just because you're scared? Because you know what? People – even vaccinated people are proving that they are scared. How are they proving yeah. that? One, there's a survey in the last two weeks that said among the people going back to restaurants and shops, there's a higher fraction of unvaccinated than vaccinated. The vaccinated yeah. people are still are reluctant. Are still to do scared. It. Yeah. They're still walking around this city with their mask on yep. outside. Yeah and you know they and then they say things like well what does it bother you that i'm wearing my mask on outside i say to me i'm not bothered by it yeah. you know? i'm just trying to say it out of concern for you like <laughs> i want you to be like like you like i don't know like i'm not like if you
1: said that you um I won't use my analogy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, actually on that, on that point. Yeah, yeah. So I've had people reach out and say, look, I know I know that you think we can take the masks off and the vaccination out. My whole family's vaccinated, but I have two medically vulnerable kids. I'm older. Um, I know the vaccines aren't perfect. I feel more comfortable wearing the mask for the time being, would you not shame me? And I'm like, I wouldn't. I yeah, wouldn't shame, shame you. you. Not well, at of all. Not. It's just, if you're telling me that I should wear a mask to make you comfortable, well now you're starting to impinge on on i think my understanding of the science, but also my own freedom to do stuff outside.
0: And I think to be fair, I mean, so this is another argument people make, which is that, well, we need the mask mandates because there's that person out there who's B-cell depleted because of rituximab. And I'm like, look, I have deep sympathy for that person. They're my clinic patient, for God's sakes. I'm the one giving the rituximab. (laughs) That's what I do. Um, But what I would say is that we as a society have, um, we're always balancing uh, restriction and freedom. And I think we have concluded that throughout the last 20 years where there have been immunocompromised people that the rest of society hasn't um foregone uh we haven't all worn masks all this time yeah we haven't all um you know uh never handshaked all this time and you know these kinds of things and so i think there is a balance between individual um or the freedom for many people and and, and vulnerable people the, yeah. the other sort of asterisk i'd add is many people say i have a vulnerable x but um in their mind they're relying on the vulnerabilities that are related to other infections, but not necessarily SARS-CoV-2, mm. right? So then I'm like, why exactly is this person vulnerable? And they tell me the reason. I say, well, you know, that's actually not known to be a particular vulnerability for this virus. Uh, right. It's vulnerability for other things, but not this virus. Um, so I, I think that that's part of the, uh, the the fallacy too. And then we just have to acknowledge that there's some general anxiety. Yeah. Um,
1: we've conditioned it. Yeah, we've conditioned yeah, yeah, it.
0: People yeah. aren't, they're not, they're emotionally in a rocky place and, yeah. and the rockier you are the
1: more you're on twitter yeah <laughs> so it's like selecting for the rockiest yeah too. i mean i mean look i i chose with my daughter 13 year old to get her vaccinated very quickly and the reason was partially there's still that sort of feeling that you know but if she gets coronavirus uh First of all, she's going to be out of school. Second of all, she's going to have to quarantine. Third of all, we're going to have to go through all the testing rigmarole. Fourth of all, there's a very small chance she could get very sick and have sure. something unusual. Very small. Now, what are the risk benefits of the vaccine for us? Well, let's see. Both me and my wife did fine. So just looking at our genetics, we're probably OK. But you never know. She's young. We don't know. We don't know what we don't know. But I think she's a pretty tough girl. She wants to do it. She wants to go with her friends who are also vaccinated because their parents have very high sphincter tone and she wants to be able to play with them without masks and their parents won't allow it unless the kid is vaccinated. So there are these social considerations, whether you agree with them or not. And so for all those reasons, we said, okay, let's go. And um, so these decisions are nuanced. They're complicated, they're personal. Well, shouldn't you get a prize? Because as you've
0: articulated, um, you've just listened to me make my case for why I felt like this authorization pathway was not warranted. Right. You heard me, you agreed with me. Simultaneously, yeah. you and your life have made a decision that is not congruent with my standpoint. Correct. And you can hold all these things
1: together. Yeah. And and afterwards we're gonna be friends, and we'll get lunch someday, right? <laughs> Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. And not only that, but see, the key thing there is there's not a cognitive dissonance involved. No, it's not, not like it's not, yeah. No, no, it's no, no. not like, oh, I hear you and I agree, and I said the same thing publicly, and but and yes, and so this. And and that's why I think like I think this whole idea of like we're out there shaming each other about this these decisions it's like everybody's got their reasons. They may not you may not agree with the reasons, but we can have the discussion and yeah, still be I want to I want to hit on that point that's yeah. so important,
0: which is that um when when people debate the regulatory pathway for something and what people do once it's approved or authorized Um, they're very different questions. Mm. I have said many drugs, many cancer drugs, ought not be approved. The data is not sufficient for approval. Mm. Once approved, I'm giving it. And I'm giving it to everybody. But what I'm saying is that like, these are different hats you wear. You wear a policy hat. You wear an individual, I guess in your case, father hat. Um, uh, You know, uh, uh, you wear a doctor hat. These are different hats. They're different ways you make decisions under uncertainty. Your decision, I think, is entirely reasonable. You've articulated some things, but uh, uh, I, I, I still think that it was wrong to have the EUA. Uh, right. I think those are not indistinct; those are not contradictory
1: points of view. Absolutely, yeah. I, that's fascinating what you just said. People accuse people who make decisions like what I just described as having no integrity, having no cohesion. They don't the, understand. Uh, they don't understand. The opposite is true. For example, I agree with you about EUA if if I could have stopped EUA from happening, I would have actually done, I would exactly. work to do that, and then I would have been fine with my kid not being vaccinated. Correct, it would have taken away the choice. And exactly. honestly, it may have also made, um,
0: uh, on the fringe, there, there will be some summer camps right now putting pressure on 12 on, to 15 year olds to, to get, get vaccinated. The right, and they will not be able to in the absence of the EUA. Correct. And so some of the social dynamics would change. Maybe the parents that who are, as you say, sphincter tone is high. I can imagine it is. Yes. Maybe those parents, what will happen is that their sphincter tone may finally relax when they see the summer comes and the yeah. case positivity yeah. goes to near zero. Yeah. And yeah. so they might finally let your, your daughter go over. It's happening. So, yeah. so I guess these are totally different spheres. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sphere where we live our lives individually and the sphere of policy. Um, I guess the last thing I'd say is, um, I don't know, I guess I sometimes read what people, I mean, um, I don't know how to put it politely, but there's some people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about and that's the bottom and when they, when they don't know what the fuck they're talking about and they keep talking to me and i'm like dude i was like i've been i've been in regulatory policy for 10 years we published almost we're gonna be 300 papers we'll be passing it within the calendar year on this on these types of questions you have never thought about this in your whole fucking life you uh, you're shooting from the hip you're Anxious, afraid, have all this stuff going on, and you're making a fool of yourself I'm like is, oh, you're losing it and, you, man. And, and 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 the reason I think it really matters. More than all these things. Like, so why why is this an issue that I'm actually gonna put my nickel down on? Like, why do I even care? I'm a cancer doctor. I should be going back to my cancer work, which I am going to go soon. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you about that season four oh, yeah. plenary session. It's oh. called hashtag zero covid. No COVID. I love We're it. Done. I zero love COVID. It. We're there. Yes. Fuck COVID. <laughs> We're launching this yeah. week. Um okay, but but why I'm putting my nickel down here is that people don't realize that um there are all the usual concerns around vaccines, and then there's this existential question, which is the public has a faith that the regulatory processes around vaccination are very, very stringent. Mm. We saw with J&J and VIT um, Mm. that there can be unanticipated safety effects that are catastrophic. VIT is a very unusual symptom. It's a a constellation of things that don't normally occur together. It'll be picked up at a certain frequency very quickly in safety databases. Myocarditis is an everyday occurrence. Mm. It happens with some frequency. Finding it elevated even twofold, Mm. threefold, fourfold, is gonna be quite difficult. Mm. Um, If there is, God forbid, but if there is an unanticipated safety signal at a young age, and you went ahead and pushed EUA in a very vulnerable age group that had very little to benefit, and there's a safety signal so catastrophic, it thwarts um, your uh, it thwarts the overall risk-benefit profile in that age group, you will have an existential vaccine crisis. All the crazies with their 5G and nanobots, whatever the fuck they're empowered. talking about, they're going to be empowered, and a lot of people who are hesitant, may even be more hesitant, you will have a crisis like you don't fucking understand. And so you need to be really damn sure when you go to kids that the risk-benefit profile is going to be favorable, no matter what comes out that you don't see, and that is literally what people don't understand about this space. Uh, it is a space you want somebody who is you know knows what they're talking about the studies and
1: studies these things. They, so that that's the counter to oh you're an anti-vaxxer, Vanai. It's like no, I actually care so deeply about vaccines I that I don't want them fucking ruined yeah. by a stupid decision. Yes. right. Yeah, well, that that doesn't look a at risk. Made out
0: of anxiety. Made out of anxiety. Made, out of, anxiety, made out, of anxiety,
1: yeah. out of emotion and made out of profit for Pfizer and made out. Of, I mean. All these different, now I'm not saying that's the prime driver, right? Because then you're speaking in conspiracy language. I'm saying there's no dismotivation for Pfizer to really push this.
0: I guess the companies will generally push their products, yes. In this case, I think they'll probably make uh, so little off this compared to their usual bamboozling cancer drugs. Right, (laughs) right, 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 (laughs) right. right. They'll find a new way to But what about
1: the 20 boosters that? uh...
0: Well, okay, that's a different question.
1: Yeah. Will we require
0: a yearly booster? I tweeted something that says, uh, in my mind, if you want to persuade me that a yearly booster is warranted, you're going to need to randomize tron adults showing that if I get a yearly booster, I'm less likely to be severely ill with COVID, hospitalized with COVID, or die of COVID. Right. You show me that, I'm getting a booster, getting a booster. every year. Yep if you show me a randomized control trial that says after I get a booster, um, uh, I'm less likely to get a nasal swab positive PCR cycle 42 hit of SARS-CoV-2 after you phone me every week and ask me, you know, because uh, one thing, many of these randomized control trials use, um, they call the patients uh, uh, to elicit symptoms right. and refer them for Are testing. Are you sure
1: you don't have a Correct. little itchy nares? Right.
0: And this is sort of a, an artifact, which is you're gonna pick up very subclinical disease, sure. the kind of thing that doesn't really bother me. The anyway, 10
1: particles, yeah. Yeah, right. The yeah. Of, yeah, you've already talked up. about on my show yeah. yeah,
0: so I mean, I think you're so I think the question is like if that is their end point of their study, then maybe I'm not sold on getting a yearly booster. Yeah. But if the end point of the study is something hard, clinical, meaningful bam. Yeah, and I so I, and I actually think if I put my nickel down, I think should I say it? say it. I guess I think that, I think that if they did that randomized control trial, they would probably be negative. I don't think they're, I don't think that, I think the, the first shot will be so good. The first, you know, our vaccination that we've already gotten, that will be so good. That'll be unlikely a yearly booster, even with, you know, uh, they, they keep chanting variants and variants and variants and even I, chance, I doubt it will actually decrease these energies, I, but be, my, I'm happy to prove proven my wrong.
1: My intuition is exactly the same. And again, I call it intuition because that's what it is. And I think, I think that these, these are such, especially the mRNA vaccines are so fucking immunogenic. Yes,
0: exactly. That you get
1: so many different antibodies and all the, absolutely epidemic. like i mean there's nothing that that virus can do without d- wrecking its own ability to do shit interesting that, that it, within the mutational parameters that's going to evade this thing in the near future i think now I think. again i'm unhappy to be proven wrong on this I'm one because be proved-
0: Monica thinks the same thing Monica thinks on. the same of thing of I think, think Marty
1: thinks the same thing Marty's a big fan of natural immunity he's like why are we fucking ignoring this
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah you know I think um, well, someday we'll revisit this Marty question because I feel like he was a bit unfairly treated you oh, want yes. to talk about
1: unfairly treated oh. the
0: lab Leak people who um, yep. they're unfairly treated they were banned from Facebook yep. Marty was a little unfairly treated yep. and we're going to revisit that in the future when, I love when, it. when people are
1: calling when, when you know when the he- when, when we, when we- <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're we're like the opposition in some great struggle, even though we're not, because we're saying, hey, alt middle, like it's all these things that are a little true but partial. But I would love to see heads roll for terrible decisions that have hurt our kids, for censoring really smart people that are that are well intentioned, for vilifying people as bad, for doing good science, these kind of things.
0: You know, I wonder like um I don't know, I'm working on something. I, you know, I wonder if people will heed the lesson. But I think the answer is, rather disappointingly, no. Mm. You know, there's the um, uh, uh, there's that old joke like like first they laugh at you, then mm. they then they yell at you, and mm. then they act like they knew it all along.
1: Yeah, and I think
0: we've seen a lot of that. Yeah. Um, so people say, oh, you know, I never said that. I knew it all along. <laughs> and yeah, then you go
1: I through sure the Twitter know. stream. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What about the emails? Um, I haven't looked at them. I guess they've been FOIA requested, three thousand pages, and different people are putting out different things. Um, what have I seen? I've seen that, um, you know, there's an early email. I don't, I, can't, I guess I, I'll say one thing. I've only seen like some of the screenshots and I scrolled through a little bit, but I mean, 3,000 pages. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I got to go to bed. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't be up all night reading reading Fauci's emails. Um, one, I feel a little bit bad. I mean, you know, I don't know. I feel bad anytime somebody's emails are, yeah, you know,
1: publicly released. Publicly
0: released. But that said, you know, government employees, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a requirement. I mean, it is a possibility of the job. Right. Um. The next thing I would say is, I guess, a couple of the emails that jumped out were um, emails where I think he told somebody taking care of SARS-CoV-2 patient, like, make sure you wear an N95 mask mm. uh, early on in the pandemic, which would suggest that you know, when you're around somebody with SARS-CoV-2, yeah. they do believe it's aerosol. Yeah. And 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 I think that was always right. I mean, yeah. You know, the whole mask debate maybe like they wanted everyone to wear a fabric mask at all times, Right. but maybe the right answer, we will find out someday, was the guy who's working in the kitchen, guy or girl working in the kitchen N95. as a cook and line cook, maybe they need a N95 yeah. when they're working close proximity and maybe the people outside don't need anything. Yep. Actually, that's probably true, right? That's probably true. So the truth about it is instead of this one size fits all, let's create um I voted for Biden badge, you know, which is really what
1: it was. <laughs> no, that's only if you have three masks on. Yeah, there's then there's you there. voted for Biden. If you have two, you were an independent. <laughs> independent. If you have one, you were kind of like, meh, you just abstain. And if you have none, you voted if for If you Trump. have a camo handkerchief or or one of those the valve, or none at all, then you vote for Or Trump. just mesh. Yeah, so some people know. just wear
0: panties over their face, right? Cut the yeah. holes you have the straw come through. Yeah, totally. Okay. So I mean, so one was the N ninety five. The next thing was there was an email from early in March where someone asked him what he thought about community mask use, and he said something very similar to what he said in that early March 60 Minutes episode where Mm. he thought it did not confer benefit. Mm. Um, I think that's going to be a tough email Mm. because the mantra now is that that was a noble lie. Mm. I lied in March to prevent you from making a run on N95 masks. In retrospect, what might be the case is that the second April might be the noble lie, and the mm-hmm. early statement might be representative of what he truly believed at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, we have we have a huge systematic review and meta-analysis under review. But I think people forget that there are many randomized control trials, cluster trials around influenza and community mask using, mm-hmm. and um, and 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 there's a lot of data that preceded that. And then and the mantra really was. The consensus of the WHO and the CDC was in early March that it was not on average beneficial. Mm. It changed a little bit, but I think the thing that changed the most is the precautionary principle rather right. than any particular data. Right. So I think that those masks emails will be interesting. And then the last set of emails that will be interesting is emails about what type of research was being done in Wuhan. Mm. As you as you know, as, as people keep saying, um, it does not have to be gain-of-function research to be lab leaked. You right. could just have a totally normal virus that lab leaks. Yeah. But you could also be doing gain of function research. And the question should be why the hell are you doing this gain-of-function research?
1: Right, right, yeah. right, what the hell, right? And why are we funding it and so on? I mean, and there's reasons to do it, to try to study how viruses jump, species become more contagious, and then how you would interde- intervene, but-
0: The best I, person to tell you why there's a reason to do it is the person who's getting the funding. Exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> oh, let me tell you, let me write my abstract here to get your yeah. attention. Exactly, oh, fuck. Well, so, okay, so one thing I wanna I want to ask you before you go, um, the mask issue. So why, so, and I've, I've done videos on this Influenza RSV disappeared, right? Now, do we think it's because of lack of travel, closing schools, hand-washing, masks, viral interference, or all of the above?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess I would say, I I guess I would say, um, I don't know how anyone can disambiguate it. I've seen many people claim that, you know, Going forward, every winter I'm going to wear the cloth mask because look what happened to flu and colds—they went away. Right. Okay. Um, what I would say to that is that we'll see what happens. You yeah. can keep doing that, but one of the things that we also did this year—you may recall—was um, uh, we we closed a lot of schools. Yeah. And schools weren't the places that spread COVID, but they are they places do that spread cold flu, cold, and flu. Mm-hmm. The other thing we did was we dramatically shrunk and constrained our social circles. We avoided all international travel. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of things that I'll tell you what we're never going to do ever again in my natural life. I suspect not. So we're going to go back to doing all those things. So you're going to go do all those things and then you can wear your cloth mask and we will see what happens to cold and flu. Yeah. Um, But I guess I'm not persuaded that cold and flu, uh, something tells me, if I were to put my nickel down here, I'd say cold and flu, they're coming back. I think yeah. it's going to be
1: back. Mask I, or no? Mask or no? I think yeah. cold and
0: flu is coming back. Yeah. I would say mask or no mask. And when cold and flu comes back, it's going to be. I, I dread the day I get that oh, cold. Oh, it's going
1: to suck. I'm, I'm
0: old now. I can't. Me, recover me too. At all. Dude,
1: I get a cold. I'm, I've got, I'm out with man flu for like a week. <laughs> and all the anti vaxxers, because I'll do a show about it. I'll be like, I got man flu. They'll be like, see, it's the toxins, bro. It's all those toxins. <laughs> all the toxins like, you're yeah. eating? Or the virus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or the virus.
0: You know, I do wonder. I feel like, um, you know, of all the things, people could take away from this the one thing i wish they did was um the culture in medicine of going to work when you're sick
1: yeah um, it's got to change it's you, good. you need paid leave you need you need support yeah we don't have it you i don't man, have it i worked i worked 10 years as a hospitalist i never took a sick day what does that say that i never got sick no I never took
0: a sick day. My friend did neurosurgery residency training and they had like only seven residents. And then I said like, you know, I was at least a medicine resident. There was some there was some jeopardy system so that if you were really sick, really sick, you could call someone and they'd be summoned. And I think I had to do that once. And right. I was, re- uh, unbelievably, I couldn't, I don't yeah. want to describe to you how I was. Yeah. It was so bad that you wouldn't want to even look at me. Okay, <laughs> so, um, but he didn't have that in this neurosurgery training. And then I said, So, like, what happens if somebody gets sick? And then they're like, Oh, they're like that doesn't happen. I was like, I mean, come on. Somebody's got to get really sick. And then I was like, well, What happens if somebody gets really sick and they just call you in the morning and they don't show up to work? And he was like, You're saying they call me up and they say they don't, they're they not going to show up to work? He's like, i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get in the car, we're going to drive to their house, we're going to knock on their door, and we're going to grab them by the lapels and drag their ass to work.
1: Oh. <laughs> and I was like, Okay. Was there like, it is. I was like, Now
0: I know why. That's
1: the culture. <laughs> That's the culture. That's and the I was culture. like, Oh, wow. Okay. That's the culture. It's nuts. I agree. We gotta do that. We gotta change that. We gotta, we change, gotta change that culture. Policies for people at, at work who are sick, policy for teachers who are sick, all that other stuff. And uh, and we need to just, I, I, I was gonna say, if I hear anyone say we need to get back to normal, normal fucking sucked. We need to get back to better. Yes, better. Yeah, better. I guess when I hear them say like, uh, I guess there's there's two things, like, yeah, we, we
0: wanna get back to normal, like I think what I, what I mean by that is like a vibrant and jubilant yeah. life. Yes. Okay, yes, we want that. Yes. Uh, the, what do they call the new normal? Which sounds to me like a total buzzkill oh God, world. I'm not into the new normal. No, I'm into closer to that vibrant, jubilant, yes. jubilant life.
1: Um, however,
0: some of these terrible policies need to go away. <laughs> yeah, <okay.
1: laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, I'm with you, brother. Guys, thanks for having Vinay Z Dog, Share. Join the supporter tribe on Locals. Two for one gray suits, J.C. JCPenney's. Booyah. <laughs> Montgomery Ward, son. Montgomery Honestly, Ward. It's like a ghost organization. You know, that's where
0: uh, I think Jack White got his uh, guitar, you know, from...
1: He got his first from Montgomery Ward. I
0: think it was like one of his
1: plastic guitars that he played online. Was a Montgomery Ward dude, guitar. Dude, so awesome. Yeah. Dude, Montgomery Ward was the bomb. It we was had, awesome. Dude. We had a awesome. local version called Gottshawks in the Central Valley of California. It was like Montgomery Ward light. All of them are closed now. It's kind of like, ugh, you know. Now you just get it all from Amazon. I saw that picture of you when you were young back then, and with the mullet. <laughs> yeah, it was my senior picture. And you know what I love is everyone was like, in in the in the comments, they were like, "Z, your skin was so smooth at eighteen, you had no pimples," and I'm like. They airbrushed that shit. Oh, like did it they? Was senior, it was senior picture. Wow. So you go to a studio, they, they put you up like with the glamor shot see. and then some guy's like- Shh, live, Because you know, there was no digital. Somebody
0: tweeted a picture of me from three years ago and I looked at it and I was like, who's that young man? <laughs> I was
1: like, fuck, this should have age you. <laughs> no doubt, it's like- COVID, the no haircuts. I mean like, oh, man. I, I need to get a haircut. Your hair looks good though, dude. Oh, I'm a little terrible. jealous, I'm a little jealous. <laughs> I'm using a nice camera on you too to show the world. Your dapper ass watch too. What kind of watch is that?
0: That's uh, a it's a it's a Citizen. Uh, oh, it's not, it's not that good yeah. I love I, it though. I, I'm not a I'm not a. Not Why a- do
1: you still wear a watch? I'm curious.
0: You know, that's funny. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a little funny story. You know, yeah. I bought a Swatch once, and uh, I, and it broke very quickly, and I went back to the store to complain, and and then the person and then, and the person was like, oh, you know, we'll take it back. It'll be two weeks to fix it, and then, bubble, And then you know, and I was like, don't take two weeks to fix it. Just give me a replacement, such a cheap, crappy watch, and I'll, I'll go right now. And I was like, plus, what am I going to use for the next two weeks? And then he was like, you don't need a watch. You just need your phone for time. And then I was like, you work in a watch store. Listen to what you're saying. <laughs> telling the customer <laughs> you don't need to watch the fuck you wear a <laughs> salesman ever. right oh i wear a watch because yeah you know what uh, that's how i tell the time i'm yeah. old school z dog old school i want to look at my watch and see the time
1: i am down with that sir i i respect you as an individual even though your decision makes no evidence based <laughs> sense and I respect you, audience, for watching this much. Uh, share the video, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters to support the show. PayPal.me forward slash zdogmd if you want to make a one-time donation. I'll respond directly to your question, comment, or anger. All right, guys. I love you. VP, until next time. Until next time. We out. Peace. Become a subscriber. Click the subscribe button. Then right to the right of his little bell. Hit that bell. yeah! You get notifications. Never miss any of our stuff. I love you guys. We out.